0: Welcome to Social Work Matters with Dr. Sylvia Smith, where we explore the realities and celebrate the successes of social work practice, management, and education.
1: In this episode of Social Worker Matters, we hear from the wonderful Judith. Uh, Judith is um, a retired social worker, but she has been a teacher a youth worker, and an educator. She talks about her pre-qualifying experiences, particularly in the 1950s. She also talks about her training and what contributed to her learning. She mentioned a few historical figures in the world of British social work, particularly. She speaks about some of the complexities of the work, that she experienced, even as a student. She mentions the work she did in the London Borough of Haringey. She talks about Haringey being a good place back in the day. Speaking with Judith was fascinating. Some of her account really resonated with my experience and my concerns, for instance, about social workers and their current plight within the context that they work in. And then finally, towards the end of the interview, Judith shares with us some of her current work with the Jewish community, which is her community. I think you will find Judith's account really interesting, and I hope you get tremendous value from hearing from someone who has been been there, done it, and has certainly worn the T-shirt. Enjoy, and I'll catch you on the other side.
0: I'll tell you if the red light comes off. Yeah, yeah. So, Judith, thank you so much for
1: being willing to do this. It's lovely to catch up with a social worker of the past. (laughs) (laughs) She's laughing already. Um, So I thought perhaps what we could do, Judith, really, is to find out um, a bit about you and your career um and then really just continue on a kind of a conversation about, you know, how you found um being a social worker. Uh, also think a bit about some of the highs and some of the lows and um, perhaps drift into thinking about, you know, what you now think about what's going on and, and how much you may be aware of what's going on. So, Let's start at the beginning. Tell us a bit about, uh, about Judith.
0: Who are you? Well, I wasn't ever so good at school, particularly around the earlier years. But when I was 16, I sort of woke up and suddenly enjoyed things like history and English. Had no thought of what I wanted to do. I only stayed on at school in order to irritate my parents who <laughs> wanted me to leave for obscure reasons I've never quite understood. And um, one day careers advice came to the school. Okay. Quite unusual, really, for the, what was it, the early 50s, very can't... early 50s. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of my friends went for an interview with them. And she came back and she said, she asked us, she asked me, do you want to work with things or with people? And I said, well, I only want to work with people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'd never thought of it before, but that made me think of it. And the obvious thing to do was to train as a social worker because I knew I couldn't be a nurse. Mm -hmm. Because that meant dealing with things, blood, (laughs) and stuff like that. Yes. And I was suddenly getting much more sociable than I had been before. At any rate, I realized I had the power sometimes to amuse people or make them talk or Mm -hmm. something. And I wanted to help. It was a very difficult time, the late 40s and early fifties, particularly for Jews mm-hmm. because the news of what had happened during the previous few years in Europe hit us very slowly. Mm-hmm. And I was meeting kids a bit older than me who'd been in the camps. Mm-hmm. And I, I asked them why aren't they why haven't you got any younger girls my age? Mm-hmm. And they said they all died. And that somehow made me feel it's time to do something sure. good for people. Sure. Sure. Anyway, my parents did not let me go away from home but eventually agreed to let me apply to Manchester University wow. where I got in, although I was a bit too young. You had to be 19 to prepare for a degree. Yes. Uh, Socket men, it was called social administration, pre, pre social work training, it was okay. called by the greats, um, young husband, Arlene young husband. Yes, was making yes. Making pronouncements yes. at that point. Yes. And I was interested, I was reading all that stuff. Anyway, I very much enjoyed the course, and they did try and introduce us to social work as it was at that time. So we had placements. I had a placement with a sanitary inspector. <laughs> wow. It, uh, the sanitary inspectors aren't nearly as bad as you think mm. they are. I mean, mm. they don't inspect drains. They go into families where there's mm. problems in hygiene. Yes, yeah. It means, and it, it means was, a yeah. 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 was a very good chap. I was a very good chap. That I I followed. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just shut up unusually for me and watched him. And he was so tactful and kind mm-hmm. in the way he dealt with people. And I worked in a nursery school and I worked in a probation. lot of okay. probation. Yeah, I, I did that too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They put me in an office. They said the best thing is to start right down at the deep end. You see the next person who comes in. Mm -hmm. The next person who came in was a woman, I suppose, was about 46. And she was on probation for grievous bodily harm, or the one that's a bit less, attacking her daughter. Okay. And I had no idea where to start. They put me at the desk, and she came in, and I said... um. Mrs. Watkins or whatever her name was, I see that you're on probation because you attacked your daughter. She said, yes, I did. So did I. I did attack her. And so would you and any other mother. And I thought, I'm 19. Just. (laughs) (laughs) She thinks... I could have a daughter old mm-hmm. enough to attack. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I realized I was sitting at a desk and I was in a probation office. And it's all in what people think you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Role. It, was a, it mm. was a very, very good learning experience that was. How long was the placement for? Three months, I suppose. Okay. One day a week. No, it was more than one day. I think it was three days a week. Mm-hmm. It was like a proper placement. That sure. like what I had later on when yeah. I was really doing social work. And I had a very, very good uh, supervisor in the children's department. Mm-hmm. Again, there I learned a very good lesson. She used to take me out on calls, and one was to uh, I'll never forget it, uh, a woman who'd adopted two children. And technically, this my supervisor said to me, I really shouldn't be visiting her. I really don't need to visit her. Don't tell the boss. Mm-hmm. But I go in because I'm not really quite happy we did the right thing. Oh, wow. And this was a woman who, in the middle of the Manchester Blitz, had passed by a disused house and found two children oh, wow. okay. cowering. They'd been chucked out of their home. Nobody, I don't think ever, really found out where their, their mother they found. But the father was a, an American okay. soldier, I think. Okay, okay. And the mother really wanted to give her up, so quick, quick, a foster placement was arranged without the supervision that even in those days mm-hmm. would have those gone through yeah because bombs were falling everywhere, and the woman had no children of her own. her husband had died, she was a health visitor, but i don 't think she was qualified. Mm-hmm. And she decided she wanted to adopt the children. She'd fallen in love with the baby. Right. Little boy baby and a little girl, then I suppose about two, mm-hmm. two and a half. By the time I met her, she must have been nine. And the um my supervisor said to me, i she always seems okay, but I've got a feeling there's something wrong. It's my gut feeling. As we walked up the path, they'd been rehoused somewhere outside Manchester, walked up the path, and we heard this woman yelling at the child. Okay. And my supervisor said, I'm going in. You wait outside and mm-hmm. take notes mm-hmm. of exactly what's happening, but I've I've got to deal with it. Sure. And that was most horrendous when she finally call, called me in. Because she said she couldn't take the child away from the only home she'd ever known. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yet she couldn't allow the woman to keep on berating her because what? She kept yelling at her. I didn't want you. I only wanted the oh, baby. Wow. But I had to take you. Can you imagine? Wow. That must have been going on for about six years. Wow. So I always think there's two lessons I learned. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Taught me you can't really do everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. It's, and it's, it's complicated, isn't it? Um, so, so those are some of your, a couple of your earlier experiences and, and also, I guess, what drew you to social work. Um, what well, was it like? I mean, you know. Well,
0: I didn't do, I mean, I only did it as, as a student at that point. Mm-hmm. When I graduated, um, I discovered I couldn't get a job because I was not quite 22. And Eileen uh, young husband had said we should be 23 before we mm. practiced. Isn't that interesting? Because I we. I don't we, think anybody bothers with that anymore. No.
1: Um, no. Well, pfft, no, not really, but it, yeah. I mean, it, we've got some fast track programs now that. Yes. You really kind sword. of wonder why yeah.
0: But anyway. So, yeah. So I you. marched in. I, I had plenty of cheek at that point. Marched in the Manchester education committee and said, I want to be a social worker, but I'm not old enough or mature enough, they say. So I'd like to teach. And at that time, of course, they were dreadfully short of teachers. Mm-hmm. So they took me and said, I wanted to work in a school, preferably with immigrant girls. Mm-hmm. Adolescence, instead of which they sent me to the Manchester Jews Infant School, which was the other side of Manchester, which made a huge journey in the mornings and evenings, uh where there were little children right. Right, who I'd never had anything to do with, but of course I loved them. Mm. Class of forty-five. <laughs> And I had no experience at all. And the headmistress didn't want me as this young woman she studied psychology and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I wanted teacher. teach her. Mm-hmm. But I did learn a lot from her. On Thursday afternoon, uh, the class next door came in. So the ninety children Oh my goodness. With I learned how to act. <laughs> Probably needed to. <laughs> well, I gained a lot in confidence, of course. Mm. Anyway, I still wanted to be a social worker and uh, I had a, a swift period in London. Somebody offered me somewhere to live in London, but I was also teaching here, also in a Jewish school. Mm-hmm. In those days, the Jewish children were very well behaved, very clean and tidy well behaved with very caring parents. Mm-hmm. I think now they're more sort of normal <laughs> But I didn't have the troublemakers that I'd really wanted to work with. All right. Oh, I'd had a period when I was in Israel. I went to Israel when I finished studying for six months, and okay. I volunteered to work with, they were so-called delinquent youths. Okay. They were all new immigrants from the Arab countries who'd come as refugees in the late 40s and were living with their parents in immigrant camps, felt very demoralised. Mm-hmm. Parents didn't understand this new world. And most of them had not really been in trouble, but yeah. they were called cool delinquents. Anyway, I loved them. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to work with similar girls to see oh. it. Anyway, I never did. And uh, from... Then I was offered a job. I was headhunted, which has never happened to me before <laughs> since, from a brilliant place, um, that was also Jewish, uh, a boarding school for children who were pre-tubercular in okay. their thirties. Okay. Okay. The were you still s- up north at that stage? I went back up north. Oh, I see. I so you came invited. down to and you went back up. Okay. Okay. Um, this was a brilliant place. It still exists. And you know who became the headmaster? I'm sure it was him. You know that program, Martin Lewis. Oh, yeah. The guru. The, the, the money fella. The money fella. Yeah. Uh, he presumably trained as an accountant. His father was a headmaster. Okay. And I think he became headmaster of that school right after I'd right. left. Right because Martin Lewis occasionally occasionally talked about his childhood mm-hmm. and his father mm-hmm. being the headmaster of the school like that. Anyway, the headmistress was then still alive and she had been the founder. And it was at a very interesting point because there was a big change in Must have been 1951 or 52 or 53 even, between pre tubercular children Mm -hmm. who were living in the slums Mm -hmm. of Manchester, Salford, Liverpool, even, which were bombed during the war. Right. And things got better, ironically enough. And food got better and medical attention got better. So gradually the children stopped being pre tubercular or rather, you know, not mm. the same children for mm-hmm. the next generation. So presumably… And became much more nervy and and anxious and okay. um, they had things like diabetes or asthma. Oh, wow. Rather than bring being TB. sort of pre-TB or yeah. TB. That's interesting. Um, but it was a wonderful school. She was a wonderful woman. However, it was extremely boring once the children had gone to bed. Because the other teachers were all older than me and they had they were very kind to me, but obviously I was a bit of a pain. It was a bit too far to get into Manchester Mm -hmm. where the fun and all my friends were. And I realized when the headmistress went away for a weekend, I really was not capable of doing what she could do. Mm-hmm. I thought I could mm-hmm. because she was there. But mm-hmm. once she'd gone, not only me, the other, one of the younger teachers also mm-hmm. remained behind. Um, so I wanted to learn how to, how to grab mm-hmm. people who were very disturbed one way or another. So she had great relationship skills. is, is that what she you- was wonderful? Okay yes, okay. She spoke in a very gentle, genteel way mm-hmm. to these kids who were really God almighty. <laughs> it was really quite amusing, mm-hmm. but as I say, once they went to sleep, it wasn't much fun. So I only stayed a couple of terms. okay, and then I went to her and said, "I don't think I can hack this." She said, "No, you're right. you should go." To London, where things are happening. (laughs) Yeah. And I went to London, and to my amazement, I was offered three good jobs in youth work. Okay. Youth work had just taken off. Yes. In the mid-50s, and I was uh, offered three jobs. Oh, in the meantime, I became a qualified teacher. Okay. You know why? I was at a school which had a general inspection. An Ofsted in- inspection oh, it would be. Okay. And the rule is, if you've got a degree, which I had, and there's been an Ofsted inspection and they haven't found anything wrong with you, mm-hmm. at least this is how the headmistress puts it to me. Yeah. She was really rather nasty. But I got an official. I got an official letter saying you are a teacher and okay. this is your number. And so I felt much more grown up mm-hmm. and of course as a qualified teacher I could therefore become, ironically enough, a qualified youth worker. Okay. Without doing any course whatsoever.
1: Okay, okay. Okay.
0: Okay. So that's that's what I am, I guess. And I got three offers. I took fortunately I took the one at Brady. Have you heard of Brady? One of the large was, when they had things like youth clubs, one of the largest in London Mm -hmm. was in the East End. Mm -hmm. And it had originally served a very large Jewish immigrant population of the 1880s and thereabouts. And gradually the population moved away, died out, were bombed out. But it was still a very active club because, first of all, it was open not only to Jews, but to anybody who Mm -hmm. was Boys and girls as well? It was girls separately from boys. Ah. But the idea of offering me the job was to offer me the job to integrate the girls with the boys and to run what they sweetly call the social work side Mm -hmm. of the community Mm centre. Because the woman who'd been dominating it for many, many years was probably younger than i am now but she was certainly due to retire Mm -hmm. and they were trying to edge her out and there i met my husband who was a volunteer manager and the rule was that they had volunteer managers who really did most of the work with the boys and girls who had to be elected they ran it like the West End Posh Club, mm-hmm. the men,
1: mm-hmm.
0: male managers were separate from the female managers, okay. and I succeeded in integrating them. But um, my husband was in charge or working with music musicals that the kids put on, okay. and he was very skilled at this. He had a great sense of humour. When I first came in for an interview for the job, They brought me into this crowded boys only, because it was the boys' club. Lots of kids running about, Mm -hmm. having a great time. And two young men, who I afterwards realised, were putting on an act, for me, a young female, one from one side of the room, one for another. They advanced towards each other, singing this song, which I thought was extremely amusing, called, they're speaking Hindustani, where the Mamalushan used to be. Mamalushan is a Yiddish word for Yiddish. Okay. A Yiddish language. And Hindustani was what they thought in their ignorance, the new immigrants from all over Asia mm-hmm. were coming in, flooding into the East End. Mm-hmm. And it was a very welcoming song. You know, come in and join us and do what we're doing and you'll you'll really enjoy it. It was a lovely song. Mm. And I thought, gosh, whoever wrote that song must be somebody special. And it turned out to be my husband. And these were two of his friends who were showing off. They didn't say he'd written it. They gave me the impression they'd written it, but they were wrong. (laughs) So I... Stayed there until I married. How many years are we talking about? Not long. Two years of that. And I got a job teaching for the moment. Almost immediately became pregnant with your friend. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, had two other little girls. That's them. Okay. Quite old, really. Uh, and we, we decided that if possible, I would go back and study social okay. work properly. So
1: your first degree is what is in social administration. Yes. Oh, okay. okay. Okay.
0: They ran a course. Miri, um, my youngest, must have just been five, mm-hmm. so she was able to go to school. I'd done supply teaching and and stuff, and I was still very inlo- involved with youth work right. and training for youth work. Okay. Um, Training of youth workers? Yes. Cool. Okay. And then um, a group, I think it was something to do with LSE. Certainly the original staff were from LSE. <laughs> they advertised a three-day-a-week course for, I think it was six months, for women who wished to return to social work. Okay. How old were you at this stage? I was Mm mid-30s. And that was a brilliant course. And they promised us when they interviewed us that there'd be a job at the end of it. Because the London Borough's, it was called the London Borough's Training Committee. No longer in existence, unfortunately. But because the staff who ran it was so well-connected, they got people from all over England to give us a session or two. So, mm-hmm. we had, for mm-hmm. example, from the Tavistock, we had two people, can't remember the name, the psychotherapist, but one was Lily Pincus, oh, okay. who's written several books. Yep. And she came and she really liked this group of mm-hmm. women because we were all so enthusiastic. Mm-hmm that everybody liked us. So Mm -hmm. everybody who came to speak to us wanted to come back. Oh, no. Uh, uh, One of my old tutors from Manchester came from York. She was then Professor of Social Work at York, Catherine Jones. And there were several other people. It's a long time ago. I really can't remember who they were. Mm -hmm. And the worst thing was that, in fact, they couldn't find us all jobs. Oh. There's... Apparently, the course had been run for several years, and this was the first time, although uh, the woman who ran the course confided into me, we were the best lot that she'd (laughs) ever had. Maybe she said that to everybody, I don't know. Uh, I was actually interviewed by Brent. Okay. Director of Brent, who asked me what I felt about immigrants. Okay. What I felt about people from other races. Shrivelson, his name was. He was quite well known in um, anti-racist, discriminatory mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. things. But nevertheless, he himself, I would say, I would say, he was discriminating. True. So I was upset by that. Was I he? Was, was, he young,
1: was he a younger than a younger a younger guy? Or was no, he was
0: about he? my age. I think it was probably okay. so that
1: surname rings a bell, but. I...
0: Yes, he's, he's written a few things, okay. but what he wrote and what he said were was not quite the same. Anyway, I got okay. a job in Harrogate. Okay. Just at the point when, okay, I always seem to get in just at the point when something is happening. They were going through the, God, what was it called, the Disabled Act, mm-hmm. what was it called? of the communication oh, sixties. So, when oh, they were oh, required oh, bother nothing ever happened about this. They were required to register anybody who came forward and said they were disabled. Ah, okay. And they needed a social work intervention to go and visit mm-hmm. and decide what sorts of help this person yeah. needed. Assess, so assess it should the be yeah. it should be recorded. Mm-hmm. And Harringay would respond. Well, it was recorded, but as far as I know, they never responded. In the meantime, another course was advertised, which I did get on. The first time they ran such a thing, that was also run by LSE uh, personnel. Joan Charlton was the one in charge Mm -hmm. and various other people. Also three days a week for two years plus an extra day it, when you were doing work experience. Mm-hmm. And to my amazement, although I'd only been there for about 18 months, Haringey paid.
1: For the course, for you to do the, for the training? Course, for oh, course
0: cool. to do the course, which not everybody on the course, of course, got. Mm-hmm. You could get a grant, and I'd been offered a grant because we were really quite short of money. Um but it was much better to be paid. Oh, yes. And then of course I had the job afterwards. And you were obviously I think that's about to them. the last time that Harangay paid for anybody yeah. to go on a course. Yeah. But that was a brilliant course. Mm. And that gave me Vipswa, mm. membership of mm-hmm. it. And um, then I was qualified, I could do what I liked, wow. theoretically. Yeah. Yeah. Went back to Harangay where things were already beginning to go off the boil. Though Haringey was still in quite a good state compared to some of the other boroughs. Mm -hmm. Um, I had, first I had a very good uh, senior who was much younger than me, Mm -hmm. but I learned an enormous amount from her. Then, unfortunately, she left. And the one I got was... Very distinguished lady, but very prejudiced, I would say. Mm-hmm. Looking back, she was mm-hmm. definitely anti-Semitic. Some of the remarks she made, I would have kicked her in the teeth if it had happened today, <laughs> but somehow I managed to forget what she said. Mm-hmm. Was this, would this have been in the 80s or? This was, um, 74, oh, okay. I went to 70s. Haringey, mm. and I left in 86. Oh, wow. Or 87, mm. or even 88. Can't quite remember exactly. But I learnt an enormous amount there, mainly from clients. You were generic in those days. Yes, things. cradle to grave. So Yes, there was a lot of grave. There <laughs> were lots it? of... Elderly people, wow. because I started by registering people, so they thought that that was my métier. But really, I was better with families.
1: I mean, what were some of the highs and lows? Do you? Do you? I mean, we. In contemporary social work now, it's very busy and it's so many moving parts. I mean, what was it like in in your time? Did you feel? Looking
0: back, it seems to me I had a lot of power. Okay. I don't know whether it was just me, because I was considered to be quite bright and dedicated and honest. But if I said, um, this person looks to me as though mm-hmm. they require hospitalisation mm-hmm. <laughs> Call in a doctor uh, that's what happened mm-hmm. and if mm-hmm. I said I mean it was not me alone of course it had to go up yeah, the you're esham, you're it they listened to, to me yeah, absolutely
1: yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. and it seems to me today it's not like that mm. in fact the poor bloody social worker at the bottom or I'm now governor of the school, the secondary school, safeguarding seems to me that the person who first hears of a problem reports it and then doesn't can't do anything else about it mm-hmm. because it's in the echelons of power. Sure. So their own relationship with the child or the adult or whoever they're dealing with mm-hmm. counts for nothing. Yeah. It's true that in those days I, that there was a risk. I mean, one woman beat me up or tried to with mm-hmm. her umbrella as I was driving. She was in the back seat. Oh, wow. Not advisable. I knew she was very difficult. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I've got an unusual name so she could find my address and ring me up oh. and berate me. It doesn't happen today, no, does it? No. Uh, but also, um, oh, I'll tell you what did happen to me. I was the first social worker in Haringey, as far as I know, possibly the first in the country, whose records had to be examined because she'd made a complaint. <laughs> and the rule was the uh, director was Andrew Foster, who became very well known. Mm. He was... Professor somewhere in Yorkshire, and yeah that name he, wrote, he wrote a report the foster report on social care not mm-hmm. that anybody took any notice of it. I think it was on social care I'm confusing him with the other Andrew anyway uh he had to go through the case papers with me. Mm-hmm. fortunately, I write very small, and my handwriting is very poor, mm-hmm. <laughs> so um It was only a page on which I had given my opinion, which was negative, Mm -hmm. about this woman that could be shown to her. Okay. And I think there was only one page in which I objected to being late or something. Mm -hmm. I'd been very, very cautious. And when I became a student supervisor, I was (laughs) reminded students to be very cautious in the way they wrote things. Absolutely. I didn't understand why people aren't, actually. and they, They're still getting into difficulties.
1: Yeah, so we often remind students, you know, if, if it's something you're not comfortable with sharing with the person, you shouldn't really write, Don't it, write it down. It down.
0: Yeah. It seems I mean, common sense, really. Yeah.
1: But I guess that would require good supervision so that you could at least... Upload your concerns somewhere. So, what, what what were some of the
0: highs for you? I think definitely supervising students. Yes. Tell us a bit about and that. And training students, and that's the job I went to. Finally, okay, I went to Jewish Care, which then was yeah. bringing I together mm-hmm. for a time. They brought together all the Jewish charitable organisations in London. Unfortunately. They couldn't all agree between each other, so finally they disbanded. But for a while, I was training officer for them all.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And because my uh, senior there was really extremely <laughs> horrified at my appointment because she didn't want me. She was a very, very, very difficult woman. Mm-hmm. Um I wasn't able to do all the things I wanted to do, mm-hmm. but one thing I did succeed in was doing the professional and vocational training bit yeah. in which I developed relationships with LSE Middlesex, mm-hmm. North London Poly, Yes, as it then was, My and place. East London. <laughs> That's where I trained. <laughs> oh, God. The... Professor at North London Poly, when I was on the course Mm. in London, Brian Herrod. Do you Mm. remember Brian Herrod? He was famous Ah. for a short while. He was a very, very nice man, and he's written a book which was then standard. Paul Corrigan was the head honcho when I was there. No, I don't think Brian was head honcho, but he was... Definitely a senior lecturer. Okay, okay. And he had written a book which was sort of introduction to social work for other people. Okay. Which was very good. And he took me aside once and said, Your essay is quite good, but it's not you've got to learn to give an opinion and to say what your opinion is and why you've got it. Mm -hmm. You're not talking to people now and trying to persuade them Mm -hmm. of something you're showing that you're going to be a professional. And I never forgot that either. Mm-hmm. Because I think sometimes today people do forget it. They don't at all make clear what their own opinion is. Yeah, Finding their or, voice, yeah. Finding yeah. their own voice. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But um, Jewish care became one of the... Favorite place. Well, of course, they all wanted placements. I knew that. I remember we had students.
1: I can't remember where I was at the time, but we we did send students to George Kill. Right. Well,
0: yes. Yeah. I, I was training the practice teachers. Oh, okay. Just before there was a proper qualification for them. But hopefully, the ones I trained were properly qualified. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I really did enjoy that. So, how long did you do that for? Seemed like forever because uh, <laughs> I continued doing that bit of it even after I'd retired. Okay. So must have been 15, 15 okay. years. So training and education other. became your thing. Yeah. Definitely. Mm. When I was living in Israel, and I was just, you know, I'd remarried after my husband died, and mm. my husband was living in Israel. That's why we have this half a year half okay, a year okay. thing he was from manchester as well went okay. to university okay. together in the old days and i read in the local paper which fortunately it was written in english because my hebrew isn't that good uh, a report of a dreadful now i can't remember the details of it a family mm-hmm. that was in great trouble i think the husband had lost it completely and started laying about, and a couple of the children were damaged very badly. Possibly mm. the wife was killed. I can't remember all the details. But all sorts of services, much based on British way of doing things, descended on this family. And I thought to myself, the poor rotten social workers who were first involved, Mm -hmm. who's looking after them? That's maybe something I could do because they'll speak English. Yes. So, um, I wrote to somebody that I'd worked with at Jealousy, Eileen Murphy. Oh, okay. And to my surprise, she remembered me and she wrote back with several suggestions of what I could do. Well, that's the only thing I attempted to do mm-hmm. in any way, connect with social work when I was there. Mm-hmm. And, in fact, by the time I got to that family, they were well supported. Okay. But it does strike me, as going governor of the school, the question I've been asking is what happens to that first teacher who notices a child is upset, mm-hmm. talks to the child, discovers some dreadful story or some difficult story. Yes. And then is required to pass it on to safeguarding. You know, they're all, they keep saying this word safeguarding yeah. as though nobody's oh, ever process, thought. Process, process. Though nobody's yeah. ever thought of it before. Mm-hmm. And all these boxes have got to be ticked. And nobody else should be interfering at all, mm-hmm. which includes, of course, the teacher so For The child confided in. Because they may influence. Well, yeah. it's true, they may. Yeah. But on the other hand, what does that poor woman, it's usually a woman, what does mm-hmm. she do? Mm-hmm.
1: So so you've, you've kind of continued to
0: remain involved, really, haven't you? In, in Well, I became involved it. as a volunteer in setting up a new organisation, Jewish Women's Aid, Okay. which was while I was still in full-time employment in Jewish care, mm-hmm. what happened was... One of the programs I did, which was fascinating, actually, was about Jewish philosophy, Jewish Mm -hmm. thinking. Mm -hmm. And it was originally designed for the non-Jewish members of staff who really had no idea about the people they were working with. Mm -hmm. They were working with elderly Jewish people who notoriously stubborn, (laughs) because most (laughs) old people are. And they weren't quite sure what to do as far as keeping, for example, dietary requirements. concerned. Right. So. so Jewish dietary requirements yeah. are you can't eat meat and milk, milk products, at the same time. Mm-hmm. So after a meat meal, tea is served, and it's tea without milk. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bridget, where's my tea? And I don't want milk in the tea. No, Mr. Goldstein, no, your laws don't allow you to have milk in your tea. Ah, That's all a lot of bloody rubbish. (laughs) So how did they deal with that? And what on earth does it mean? So I wrote, I think it's the best thing I ever did, actually. I wrote a course about how to understand people from different Mm -hmm. ethnic backgrounds. Mm -hmm. I did my master's degree on that. I tried to make it more general about social work training generally, but I used the Jewish example as a very potent one, and it's certainly the one that I knew best. Mm -hmm. And by the end of the course, I really think there's only one full day with lots of videos and Mm -hmm. discussions and Mm -hmm. stuff. I think that they understood much more clearly why it was important to these elderly Jewish people to be in a Jewish home and to complain about the fact Mm -hmm. that they're required to obey Jewish laws that they'd never bothered with before, (laughs) that they'd be really upset if they were in fact allowed to have milk with Betsy. (laughs) You know, it's it's difficult, Mm -hmm. but we've Mm -hmm. all got these things, haven't we? Oh, yes, 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 yes. It's not static either, is it? So I found that interesting. Mm. But also I worked with one of my colleagues who's unfortunately very ill and I really must go and see her, um, who trained volunteers. And we had these middle-class, middle-aged, fairly well-off Jewish women, mainly, who'd come in to do goodly deeds, mixing the staff, who mm-hmm. mainly were either Irish or from... The Philip at the time there were a huge amount from the Philippines, mm-hmm. uh, and to discover what they shared was okay. fascinating, mm-hmm. absolutely fascinating. And of course, of this, they asked me, uh, the, the bosses asked me to do more Jewish training for Jewish workers, the Jewish social workers, many of whom were totally ignorant
1: mm-hmm.
0: of the things that I do know about Jewish history and Jewish philosophy and teaching and moral teaching. Uh, And we did a whole series of courses about working with refugees, working with people of different faiths and somebody suggested we did something about abuse in Jewish families. Does it happen? Is it allowed to happen? And we got a speaker who actually wasn't ever so good, but we had somebody had given us a grant to do this course and brought her over from Israel, an American woman. Unfortunately, I think she was the last one who came on a grant. And... As a result of what she had to say in the discussions that I held afterwards, Mm -hmm. it transpired that quite a few of the social workers suspected that one or other of their clients was, in fact, an abused woman. Wow. But they'd never actually asked them or found out. Right. So I suggested that we met more and talked about it more. And from that, we actually formed a new organization. Mm. Jewish Women's Aid, which I'm now president. But. So that's what you're doing now? Full well, time. I don't do anything to do with it now. No, I leave it to much younger people. Sure. But I'm president. Yeah, because they paid me the honor. And last week, I heard Jess Phillips speak mm. to a Jewish audience. And she actually mentioned Jewish women say, wow, nice? wow. I was yeah. very chuffed by that."
1: But, so, so, Judith, I mean, one of the things I'm I'm always curious about. Uh, I mean, you've given us a really full um, account. I'm sure we could probably spend even longer speaking about it. But uh, of your your career and some of the things you you've done, have you ever considered changing? Have you ever or had you ever considered change in your career?
0: Well, I did sort of change it, I you suppose. Did, well, in yeah. that I went to training yeah. rather yeah. than the practice of social work. Um and I was training trainers, mm-hmm. as it were. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which was even more removed. I do Was I that
1: still intentional? Do a do you, bit. Do, was that intentional, do you do you feel or
0: it just happened. Well, I think it was oily. partially for me to carve myself out something that my senior didn't understand at all, <laughs> that that would be for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess that was part of it, yeah. really. Yeah. Um, and it sort of combined the teaching, which I had quite enjoyed teaching, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. except that it's not teaching when you're working with adults. It's it's group work. I'm very interested in group work. I still supervise a small group of bereavement counsellors at the hospice where Debbie works. Um, you know, it's interesting you say that and you make that distinction. I'm
1: currently working with Esther on on this whole thing of um, education learning and adult learning yes. and so on. Yeah, um, And that's one of the questions uh that obviously i have to address in terms of my own development you know when you're working with adult learners um and I'm of the view that they 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 co-create their knowledge and their learning and they
0: should and be encouraged. They learn from them yeah absolutely that's a saying in the Talmud much have i learned from my teachers yeah. more from my colleagues but most from my pupils yes
1: absolutely i entirely agree with that. Entirely agree with
0: that. I suppose you've got to keep your mind open to mm-hmm. that because mm-hmm. sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, like a, a little snip, as it were, says something. You think, God, that's clever. Yeah, yeah. And I will stop thinking of them as a little snip.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I, I I so resonate with that with that um, with that view, um, and you know, to some extent, that's what excites me about about teaching and learning and working with adult learners, they come with so much rich experience.
0: Yes, yes. Um, and they so delight in the opportunity yeah. of reflecting on
1: Absolutely. it. Absolutely. So, you know, with with all your um, experience, do you have any any views or thoughts about where we are at currently in terms of social work practice and even education? throw that in because you're, you've been an educator for a number of years do you have any sort of observations or views that? that well I've just
0: share? got the impression the profession's lost its oomph somehow mm. Mm. and maybe I'm wrong I hope I'm wrong uh, I mean the last uh, confrontation's the wrong word the last relationship I had with social workers was it must be three years ago now I went out for a walk on my own one evening just as it was getting dark Mm -hmm. and I fell and I broke my shoulder. I fell in a little alleyway near here where there wasn't anybody, no lights, no Mm -hmm. nothing. Mm -hmm. And eventually I lost my (laughs) Anglo-Saxon way and I yelled (laughs) because I really didn't. I couldn't get up and Mm -hmm. I didn't know Mm -hmm. what to do. Mm -hmm. And there was a very kind... Um, Indian gentleman, Hindu, I think, with his wife. She was terrified. She didn't want to come anywhere near me in mm-hmm. case I was. But he did come up to me, and they could see that I was respectable, and I was mm-hmm. in pain. Mm-hmm. And they brought a the car, and they took me to one of my daughters, and all three daughters gathered. They're all in the helping professions. Mm-hmm. Bless them. And they took me first to one hospital and then to Bonnet Hospital where they kept me for hours and eventually diagnosed. I broke my shoulder mm. and they wanted to keep me in, but they didn't want to keep me in, of course, because they didn't have any beds. Mm. I was quite familiar with that. Yeah. And eventually Esther took me home with her, being the eldest, she decided that's what has to be done. And I was there for a week or a bit less than a week. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, all four of us put our social work skills to try and find out what was available right. that I should have. Right. And eventually we did, in fact, succeed. And for, we got a caring agency for free. Mm-hmm. For four weeks, except <clears throat> three weeks, I said I could manage. Came in twice a day and helped me, which was just as well because I couldn't have continued to stay with Esther. Mm-hmm. None of the children could really take a couple of weeks off to look after me. I didn't want to be looked after. I needed help to yeah, get up. Yeah, support. And but to do that, eventually... um somebody suggested I should ring the help desk of Jewish care, Mm -hmm. which is brilliant. Should you ever need help, (laughs) ring them up. They don't ask if you're Jewish or not. Jewish. Uh, Maybe it was helped by the fact that the person who answered the phone recognized my name, but only as a distant name that she'd heard about. She didn't know me. They sent me um, a social worker who assist me. Who had a student with her. I was delighted oh, cool. to see. So they're still taking students. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she advised me what to do, the right words to use in order. To, it happened to be the week in which Barnett Social Services had stopped their contract with one of the, you know, the sort of yeah, thing that yeah, yeah. quite ludicrous. Yeah. I found myself in this world that I'd sort of. Forgotten, and it was different mm. anyway.
1: Funny, actually, because this morning I've, I've been with someone who's who's actually developing a service. So we, we we're talking about very similar issues about how it can all get lost, and you know, because of budgets and goodness knows what else. And then there's all this thing about, um, you know, when people have control of their own kind of budgets.
0: Oh yes, they have their own
1: budgets, or whatever. Yes, this, yeah. So we were talking about that. She's trying, trying to set up something to help. Well,
0: the idea was to give people a sense of it, but it doesn't.
1: <laughs> of course it doesn't. That's, that's a, a collusion, really. So you, so you're, I suppose you're sharing that experience as your kind of real contact with social work. Um, are you sort of suggesting that it, it aside from the fact that you had to go to the, to the Jewish care agency, what the local authority were offering wasn't satisfactory.
0: Well, first of all, Barnet is known to be extremely difficult to get hold of. Mm-hmm. Oh, one of the things I did while I'm still working, actually, was they asked me to chair the appeals panel oh, for Barnet okay. Social Services. Okay. And wow, did I enjoy that. Mm-hmm. Particularly one case, you had to sit with a councillor from the from the ruling party, conservative, Mm -hmm. and Labour councillor. And we heard this story about (laughs) all my social work experience came flooding back. (laughs) Uh, A woman, a single woman who had died, leaving five children. The eldest, I think, was 18, and they went down in age. When she became very ill, she said to her friend, will you look after my children? And she did and she looked after the children for three or four years mm-hmm. without asking anybody, social services, to come in, found this nice lady he was taking over, and left her to it
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: without any money
1: wow.
0: and without keeping an eye. Right. Then I think the third, second or third child was very brilliant, got various scholarships to various academic institutions. I can't remember which ones, Mm -hmm. but she needed some money. So somebody said to this woman, go to Barnett Social Services, they should help you because these children technically are under their care. And the area officer, whichever team it was, refused said this isn't appropriate, Mm. this woman's not a member of the family. I don't know what excuses he gave.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: I remember we were there the whole day listening to this case. Very, very delightful woman this woman was, scared to ask for help, Mm -hmm. diffident in the past, and one social worker who stuck up for her and actually managed to bring this, probably at risk of her own job, to the appeals. And all of us, the Conservative, I think she was Deputy Mayor at the time, the Conservative Councillor, who I'd only heard of in the past to curse and complain about, but she was absolutely on the side of, we awarded some enormously high sum of money as a fine to Barnett social services they never asked me to chair the panel again <laughs> <laughs> troublemaker <laughs> well I mean it was an open and shut case mm. nobody mm. could have heard that without saying feeling something yeah, yeah. feeling something but without out saying that they were at fault yeah yeah wow Sometimes with all the fact that everybody's so interested in legal action, sometimes people forget that actually there are
1: legal rights still. I think you'll agree Judith's career journey as a social worker and educator was really interesting. It was great great speaking with her and hearing her thoughts on what it was like in the past and her impressions of contemporary social work practice and education. I'd like to thank Esther for the introduction and Judith for sharing her time with us. Do leave a review. And if you'd like to reach out to me, please send me an email at adosylv at gmail.com. Until the next time, peace.
0: You've been listening to Social Work Matters with Dr. Sylvia Smith. With music by Donnie Penny Music.